Okay, well, it's a bit strange, isn't it? The last in a series on the first day of the year. (laughs) But if you haven't been with us or you've been asleep, that's fine. Uh, We've been looking at making a difference where you are, which is what Peter said earlier. Um, And we're looking at the idea that although our lives sometimes might feel a bit unimportant or uninteresting or, but what could I do for God? I'm, well, just every day is every day. That we have an extraordinary God who is in us, working in us and through us all the time. Uh, We've been looking at our front lines, the places where we spend time with people who don't yet know Jesus. And how in those places, God wants to make a difference. God wants to do stuff in you and through you. In you and through you. So... This today, you may have noticed a few people chuckled as they got their uh, notice sheet this morning. Uh, We are looking at, let me see, how, how we make a difference when it's all going wrong, okay? How do we make a difference when it's all going wrong? Okay, so I want you to start this morning. Uh, This is a bit you can talk or you can just think or if you've got a pen and paper you can write down. I want you to think about what are your hopes, dreams and ambitions in this coming year. You might have thought about this already. You might be someone who sits and does that the first day of every year with their journal. uh, Or you might have just thought about it for the first time. So think about work, home, family, relationships, changes in your situation. Okay? So quite broad, maybe try get three, okay? So I did about 10, but I'll just give a few. So I've got like one, get fit and lose some weight. <laughs> okay, so nice, nice and simple. Just I'm giving you some context, okay? So number two, I'd like what, at least one of my friends to know God for themselves by the end of this year. Okay, so that's kind of that one. And number three, I want to trust God more and be less anxious, Okay, so you might have stuff about workplace, maybe moving house or children. Have a little think in your head. If you need to talk, talk. Give you a couple of minutes. That'll do. I saw some giggling. Okay. Now, I want you to imagine, get to the end of this year, it's all gone wrong. Okay, none of that has happened. (laughs) What a lovely way to start the year. Every hope, ambition lays unfulfilled at the beginning of next year. So was it a wasted year? Okay, was it a wasted year? How are you going to react at each of these points in the year when that ambition, hope or dream is unfulfilled? Or you're frustrated or you're annoyed? Well, we're going to look at Philippians today. Uh, Philippians, you can find it almost at the end of the book. It's a tiny, weeny little letter uh, you get uh, Acts, let me just check, you get Romans, and you get Corinthians, and then you get these little letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and I always remember it kind of A-E-I-O with like uh, my vowels, I've got the vowels in, I don't know if that's helpful. Um, <clears throat> and it's page 1179, if that's helpful. And it's on the right-hand side, hopefully, in your Bible. And it's under the title, Shining as Stars. So it's big two, little 12, shining as stars. And it starts with the word, therefore. 
Okay, so this little letter is a letter, letter to Philippians. Now, uh, Philippi is a little colony of Rome, and it's written by a guy named Paul. And his life's not going great at that point. He is in prison, so life's not so sweet for him right now. Um, and he writes it to these Philippians, who also their lives maybe are not going so well either, because he writes at one point, I see you having the same troubles as I've had and am having now. So he can make a little bit of a link there that things are not too sweet for the Philippians. But what I can say about them is he writes them with real love. He likes these guys. They, he calls them partners in the gospel. He loves them very much. They're obviously a really good church that work together and love each other. And the theme of this letter is joy. Really strong joy. There's a slight sub-theme, though, and that's unity. There's a little bit of disunity in this church. And I think that's, that's pretty normal, isn't it? There's a little bit of uh, strife and maybe difficulty between some members of the congregation. Maybe things aren't going so well for them right now. So that gives you a bit of a picture. So let's read what he says. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold on to the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing." But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, you might want to keep that open, maybe pop it on your lap or in front of you, or you can just hold it. Okay, so it's an unusual place to start, isn't it? We start with therefore. Clearly, he is halfway through some kind of point here. We don't often start, uh, greet someone and say, therefore. We've obviously said something before, haven't we? So what has he said? If you glance back, chapter two, I told you to keep it on your lap, chapter two and small five, verse five, he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So think like Jesus, act like Jesus. That's a quick summary. And Paul has previously outlined how was Jesus different? Well, fully God, perfect. But he was humble and he was obedient to God. And he outlines four little, four ways, well, not little ways, huge ways that Jesus was humble and obedient. Number one, verse seven, he became human He humbled himself from being the God of the universe with infinite power and authority. He limited himself. He became human. Secondly, becoming a servant. He could have come as a king. He came as a servant. Thirdly, he chose to die. He didn't have to die. He was perfect in every way. He chose to die on our behalf. And fourthly, he was cursed and rejected by God. As he hung on a tree, 
he was cursed and rejected by God so that we don't have to be. That is his starting point and why love, love, love. And so Paul starts this section with therefore. That's what he's springboarding off, isn't he? He's just said, look at Jesus, therefore. So in this section, we're going to look at two strategies for making a difference where you are when it's going wrong. Remember, their life's not going great. Paul's life is not going great. What is his advice? We'll look at two simple things. Obviously, loads of things we could do. Number one. Be who you really are. Be who you really are. And number two, we'll look at it in a bit. View life as it really is. Okay, so be who you really are and view life as it really is. I'm just going to say things a lot. I'm sorry, but I've got no PowerPoint. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to have to memorize as we go. Number one, be who you really are. Now, I'll give you a little illustration. I obviously have a three and a half year old. You might have seen her. Well, she's there, isn't she? And um, she loves swimming. Okay, I've been taking Emily swimming since she was about a month, and I think the Keys did a freebie. If you went with a child, you were free, and she was free, so we went free. It was great. Um, so she's been going since about a month. She's now three and a half. And I take her sometimes to Romsey Rapids where they do this swim. Sorry, I will get to the point. They do this swim session and they have like an instructor in the pool. She doesn't teach particularly, but she gives you advice. Anyway, just a month ago, she watched her. She said to me, she can swim. She just doesn't know it yet. See that? She can swim, but she doesn't know it. She wears one of these flotation devices. Here it is. She she can swim. She just doesn't know it yet. So immediately, took it off, starts chucking my daughter across the pool. (laughs) Now, that's very interesting. Because that's kind of how we are. We know we're many things in Christ. You want to read good stuff, Ephesians chapter 1. Tells us we're adopted, we're chosen, we're loved, we're redeemed, accepted, forgiven, blessed, da-da-da-da-da. Read that, meditate on it. I tried to memorize it once. I meet in a little group. I'm still trying to memorize it, but I've done a bit. <laughs> but we don't know it yet. Okay, so we know it in our heads. We can, I might even be able to memorize some of this chapter. Don't, don't test me. <laughs> but living it out is differently, isn't it? Like Emily, she can swim. She might even... Believe me, you can swim. But actually, she's got to get on and actually do it in order to realize that. So, what can we do? We want to build this understanding of who we are. Look at verse 12. Paul tells us, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. Now, this is continue. It's obviously keep doing it. It's hard work. It doesn't mean you have a go today and then stop for a week and then have another go. It's a continuous exercise working out our salvation. Just like Emily will start swimming, she's not just going to go... No, she's got to work it out. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be hard. She's got to realize that she actually can do it. She's not going to sink. She's got to work out. Just the same way in our faith, we've got to work out our salvation. We've got to work out what is already true. So let's take one thing. We are loved. 
It, uh, the Bible tells us we've been lavished with love. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are welcomed. We, we don't need to fear God. We are totally loved abundantly. God holding nothing back. This has to change the way we live. So how will we behave when we really not only know that we are loved, but we are living out that we are loved. Can you see the difference? We are living out. We start to act differently. So we love others because we are loved. If we trust in what Jesus has done, we will live differently. Like Sarah prayed earlier, I liked that, because she said, you choose to praise. And it's the same way. I will choose to love. Because I am loved, I will now live it out. I will start to work out my salvation and I will choose to love. So how will you choose to be different this year? How will you choose to be different? So how though? Sheer determination Sheer determination, I will try very hard. Lots of people will make New Year's resolutions, and some will fail, but some won't, will they? Some will change their lives in some way. They will actually manage to go and do some exercise this year. That will happen. But for us, there's something much deeper that's going to be our, uh, our kind of motivation behind it. Let's look at verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act. It is God who works in you to will and to act. This is like a cooperative. You're not on your own. You have like a senior partner, as it were. And even our very will to want to love someone comes from him. If you have a tiny will that I am rubbish at loving that person, but I would like to, that in itself has come from the Spirit of God in us. So we pray more, Lord. I want to love that person. Please change me. I want to work out my salvation with you. And I want to actively love that person, even perhaps when I don't feel like it. Do you see where I'm going? Okay. And finally, why? Why? Should we work our salvation? Why should we be who we really are? Why should we try to be who God says we are? Verse 13, the end, in order to fulfill his good purposes. In order to fulfill his good purposes. That the way God wants you to be, and the world he created might be possible. I liked what Peter said, actually. He talked about that when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, it starts with us, doesn't it? If we want to see God's kingdom come, then we need to make that commitment for this coming year to work out our salvation. What does that look like in us, and what will that look like when we start to do it? 
It's more than just your body at the gym, but it's something to do with your soul here, isn't it? We're going to make a commitment to fulfill his good purposes. And we might get from that, well, his good purposes, oh, it's all about God. Well, I want you to imagine a really good marriage, okay? That doesn't exist, but let's imagine. <laughs> perfect, absolutely perfect. And in order to make his wife happy, He does everything he can, and it brings her joy. And in her joy, he gains joy. Can you see? And in the same way, she does everything she can to make him joyful. And in his joy, she gains joy. And that's a picture of the Trinity as they lift each other up. And so when God says, when we read here, in order to fill his good purposes, his purpose is that you might know joy. And in you knowing joy, he will know joy. And in him knowing joy, you will want to give him more joy. Can you see that that perfect partnership is not just, oh, you must be happy and I must be sad. Do you see that, that perfect partnership? Okay. So let's look at second then. We want to view life as it really is. Now, there's this great book called Watching the English. Anyone ever read that? No. <laughs> was there a hand? No, there was no hands, okay? Well, I recommend it. And it's written by someone looking at English culture. And one of the chapters is on about moaning. Uh, there's loads on there, stuff about front gardens, how they work, that sort of thing. But moaning is like... Um, They're trying to explain to someone who maybe isn't from our culture that although we are very reserved and tend to totally ignore each other, the minute something goes wrong, every person at that bus stop will be talking because the bus is late. We will now talk about the bus being late. We might never speak to our neighbour, but they're digging up the road. We will now talk to our neighbour. Oh, it's terrible. And we love to moan as the English, don't we? But, sorry about this. (laughs) Verse 14, what does it say? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So when we as followers of Jesus view life as it really is, we will do everything without grumbling or arguing. Now, Paul's got in mind here the Hebrew people, because that's where that comes from, isn't it? Grumbling and arguing. If you know your Old Testament, you think, where's that come from? It comes from there. And the Israelites were renowned for this, weren't they? As they left Egypt, slavery, they'd been incarcerated, they, didn't have, uh, they, were, t- they were slaves, out they go. The minute they're out, oh, it's just so awful. We should have gone back. Oh, more desert. There's nothing to drink, nothing to eat. Oh, why are we following this guy? Can you see? And even as they're about to go into the promised land, we read, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. Gosh, how English is this? Uh, Or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? Despite all that God has done, demonstrated power, love, authority, the parting of the Red Sea, 
every obstacle in front of them, every piece of desert, any waiting time, any encounter of difficulty, they moan and regret straight away. They grumble and argue. And I know I'm a classic for this. I don't know about you. Regret some choices I've made. The minute I think about something, I'm off. And Rob's saying, why have you ruined our day? You're talking about this already. <laughs> this last night, actually. <laughs> but I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's you're doing a job now that you didn't think that you'd be doing. Maybe your prince hasn't shown up or your princess. Maybe you'd actually rather not have the debt that you have right now. Maybe I wanted my children to be like those children. And oh no, they're, they're like those children. Or maybe I just wanted children. What can sometimes be your grumbling place? What's the bit where you say, God... I don't like this. This is not what I signed up for. But God doesn't waste situations, does he? As we looked at them, the Israelites in the desert, not one moment was wasted, was it? He was teaching them. And he is, as we said earlier, working out his salvation in you, in the places that you are. It's not about Sunday morning, is it? This is not necessarily where you're going to learn patience, what you might do. You might be learning it right now. (laughs) But he's working out his salvation in you. If you've asked for more faith, you are in for a rocky ride. You can't learn it any other way. If you've asked for more patience, man, you can't learn it any other way, can you? So how not to grumble? Well, verse 18, have a look. Be glad and rejoice with me. We said earlier it's the theme of Paul's letter, joy. Do you find those people really annoying? You know the ones that are always smiling? Nothing has gone wrong. They are bounding up to you when you come into church. Praise the Lord, what a glorious day. And you imagine, oh, it's all right for them. They have a great life. There's no problems. They've got a really nice partner. Their children are so nice. They don't have any difficulties. Well, I can honestly say, as you may have found yourself, I have never met anyone without difficulties. Like, they don't exist. They just do not exist. Family rifts, alcoholism, abuse, rebellion, debt, rejection, heartache, sickness. You get into their lives and you will find that. And do you know why? Because they live in a fallen world. They live in a fallen world. Paul, we read, he's writing this. He writes, joy, joy, joy. He's in prison. And he's calling them to rejoice in the situation they find themselves in. He calls them to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Paul's joy is found in the Lord. He's always got something huge to be joyful for. He really knows who he is. He knows what Christ has done. He knows where he's going. And he knows he's working it out with Jesus in the situations he finds himself in. 
And how has he learned this? Verse 16. He says, holding firmly to the word of life, the truth, God's word, seeing things as they really are. And part of that is always joy. Part of it is always joy. And whatever life throws at you this year, and there's going to be plenty of opportunity for weeping, sorrow, disappointments, regrets. I can't, no one can take that away from you right now. But you can know joy in Christ. We can still hold hope. We can grip tightly to the word of God. Hold firmly to it. And Jesus, we know one way or another, either now or in eternity, will bring everything under his authority. No more weeping, no more pain, no more death. And why should we do this? Why should we still find a place to rejoice no matter what is going wrong? Well, verse 15, look right at the end. You will shine among them like stars. You will shine among them like stars. The result of being who you really are and viewing life as it really is, is that you'll shine in a crooked generation that is far from what God intended it to be, ruined. Despite what's going wrong, like everyone else on this planet, you shine like stars. And in doing so, you will, as that Greek word says, when it says hold firmly to the word, it can also mean hold out the word of God. And I believe that when you are doing that in your situation, you not only hold the word of God, but you are holding it out. You shine like stars. Just think of the people that you know that have been impacted, maybe by yourself or other Christians, by the way they were in a really difficult situation. Think of something you've been to or attended where people have said, I'm amazed at this person. They shine like stars, and they not only are they gripping the word of God with every part of their being, but they are holding it out to others. So that, I think, very simply, is how we can make a difference when it is all going wrong. It's not all the answers, but it's some. So we're gonna, I'm going to stop there, but I'd like us just to have a bit of a think. We're going into this new year. We thought about hopes and dreams and ambitions. But if none of these are realized, your dream job is not what you thought. The new person at work increased your workload. The dream house was actually damp. And your neighbors are awful. The course that you started is dull. The tutor you have doesn't understand you. The family member that you've tried so hard to help just seems like, well, we don't know. And where you thought you'd be is not where it is. But I want us to think about preparing for this year. How will we prepare, work out 
our salvation. And I mean our as a corporate, because that's how Paul uses it. He doesn't say your as an individual. He says your as he writes to the whole community, the church. In situations we face, how will we maintain the right view of ourselves and the situations we find ourselves in? What small steps could we take that we won't be just left stamping our feet, that God hasn't done exactly what we want, when we wanted, and how we wanted it in our time frame? I'm, I'll give a few simple examples. I know some people in this church who try, who've made a commitment to be positive in negative situations. I know others, quite a few actually, they've got a little jar where they write stuff down when something good happens. They put it in the jar and then on low days, they get it out and read it as a whole family. These are our blessings. This is what we can rejoice in. They're just simple things. Maybe you could commit to meet up with someone to work out your salvation this year. To say, I'm really struggling with anger. Could you hold me accountable to that? Will you pray with me that the Spirit of God will enable me to work out my salvation? That I would see the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So, I'll give you some time, basically. If you would like prayer, if there's something that you are especially anxious about in this coming year, or you know it's going to be difficult, well, why not ask someone to pray with you, to walk with you through this year? Get in a house group if you're not in one. Get in a prayer partnership. Come forward for some prayer. There'll be some people down here. I'm happy to pray with anyone. I'll leave it there.